Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We've been reading in the book of James. Last time we read chapter 3. We're ready to read chapter 4. Now at the end of chapter 3, and you might remember chapter 3 having to do with the tongue, different things of that nature. And then at the end of chapter 3, James talks about, you know, wisdom coming from God and contrasts that with, you know, human earthly wisdom and uh, says you know um, like who among you is wise and intelligent let him show his good by his good conduct show his his deeds uh, with gentleness and humility of true wisdom and then at the very end and the seed whose fruit is righteousness spiritual maturity is sown in peace by those who make peace by actively encouraging goodwill between individuals is how it's how the Amplified reads there at the very end, but you can read it, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And just talking about the wisdom of God. Now, he's going to move into some other things, and this is James, the book of James, chapter 4. I am reading in the Amplified Bible. What leads to the unending quarrels and conflicts among you? Do they not come from your hedonistic desires that wage war in your bodily members fighting for control over you? You are jealous and covet what others have, and your lust goes unfulfilled, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain the, um, the object of your envy, so you fight and battle. You do not have because you do not ask it of God. You ask God for something and you do not receive it. I'm sorry, the you is not there. And do not receive it because you ask with wrong motives, out of selfishness or with an unrighteous agenda. So that when you get what you want, you may spend it on your hedonistic desires. So James, in just a few verses right here in this chapter, you know, gets, gets, you know, gets to the heart of the matter. Um, which is our hearts. You know, what leads to the quarrels and conflicts among us. You know, and this goes for people just worldwide even. And this this is not even just personal individuals. You can even look at this from from one country to the next, you know, one society to the other, you know. You know what what causes the quarrels and conflicts? It's because one has and one does not have. You know, we are jealous and we covet what others have. And then when we can't get it, now, he says we murder. Now, it may not be a literal murder, but we speak awful of them. We say horrible things of them. We, we maybe even wish them dead. You know, I mean, some people, if they can't have what they want, then they don't want anyone to have it. They would just, you know, you know, kind of a scorched earth policy or something, you know, and uh, there's a certain amount of, uh, I guess, hatefulness to that. And then there's this jealous and covetousness where we're looking at others and saying, well, well, they have that and I want that. And, you know, like little kids going, oh, I, I want the new toy or I want whatever. And, and, you know, we should learn at a young age that, uh, you know, we shouldn't be that way. It's not that hard. But uh, but we, we're envious you know, and then when we, when we cannot obtain what we're envious over, what we want, be it maybe the maybe it's the latest car, maybe it's the latest 
uh, fashion. Maybe it's the latest uh, sparkly necklace or ring or or the latest job that would be the uh, stepping stone to where you're trying to get to. You know, it can be so many things you're envious of and that you want. And I'm not talking about just you. I'm talking about all of us. I'm including myself. So then, so then we fight and we battle. So we go and we fight and we battle over these things. These are just earthly things. They're, they are not, they're not even ours. I mean, we're just borrowing them for a time. Even if you own something, you really, you, you're just borrowing it. You're not going to take it with you. Even if you don't, it doesn't matter. Even if you don't believe in God, you're not taking it with you. We know this. We we know this. It's it's silly. Anyway, um, but then he gets to another important thing, and this this reflects even more on our hearts. We do not have because we do not ask it of God. Okay, we should we should always if there's something that we that we need or and I, I'm going to say even if it's something you want, as long as it's a good thing and a you know, not a harmful thing, sure, ask God for it. We're not always going to get it. Sometimes it's just not something we should have. Sometimes it will be harmful for us and we just don't realize it will be harmful for us. Because it comes with its own set of problems. If, like me, I'm not like a millionaire or a billionaire, and if someone just dumped a billion dollars on me now, that would be wonderful in a way, but in another way, that comes with its own set of problems and things that you have to handle and learn how to deal with. So, there's a lot of problems that come with things. Um, you know, a brand new car, well, you're still going to end up with paying taxes and stuff on it. If you won the lottery and had that bunch of money, then you still have to worry about taxes and you have to deal with a lot of things. It's... Um, very few things are really without some sort of string attached. Now, I, I admit, um, you know, a lot of these things look good, and we think they would be good to have. And I would not turn down the resource of having, you know, a lot of money. I would be able to do a lot for God, I think, with that money. But with that also comes a lot of temptation. Oh, a lot of temptation and a lot of problems. And, you know, God can handle it, but can I handle it? That's, that's a different question, and I have, to, I have to think about that and wonder, hmm, you know, as much as I would love to have that kind of resource and be able to help people and do things for people, um, could I handle it properly and not, not give in to temptation? I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. I haven't. I haven't experienced that. Now God can handle it, of course. And if I would let Him handle it, I would have no issue. But just saying. Anyway, though, we don't have because we don't ask, or we ask, but we ask for the wrong reason, which is in the next verse. He says, "You ask God for something. You ask, and you don't receive it because you ask with the wrong motives. You're asking for it." You want it, say you want to win that lottery, but you just want it so you have a bunch of money and you can go party or you can go, you know, do selfish things. I'm, hey, all been there, done that. I mean, I've, I've thought that same way when I was younger, you know, and it just, it just takes time. It, it took time for me to learn and grow out of that. Now I would look at that as a totally different thing.
But, uh, but yeah, um, and, and I, I'm not saying I don't still have this problem. I probably do have things that I would ask God for that I would want that maybe um, I'm not really realizing it or thinking about it at the time, but maybe it is selfish. Maybe it is selfish, and maybe what I want is not what God wants, which means it would be for the wrong agenda. You know, the things we want should help us and our family and should help others. That's the whole idea. Um, we shouldn't just want just for us selfishly all the time anyway. It's, if all we're thinking of is ourselves, that's not good. Now, and they use, because he talks about desires here, you want to spend it on your desires. And he's really alluding mainly to money, but, but there are other things that it could be. But it could be other resources or other things. But, you know, you ask for an, for the wrong reason, out of the wrong motives. So you can spend it on your desires. Now they put, the Amplified Bible puts in hedonistic desires because they mean it as as a hedonistic thing, a very worldly, um, kind of sinful, um, I can't even think of the right words for hedonistic, but anyway, it would be hedonistic, Would you know, it would be sinful, it'd be, um, could, it could very well be of uh, sexual natures, it could be of all kinds of, you know, it could be of all kinds of passions and lusts, it could be go, uh, it could even involve like gluttony, it could involve greed, it could involve a lot of things, but hedonistic, uh, a lot of times when I think of that, I think of very, um, I think of more of lusty things, you know, um, as bad sexual things, but it could be for other things, more than just that. Um, and I did not look up the word hedonistic. If we looked that up, I'm sure we would get a better definition of that. Nonetheless, I'm just saying that's how it, what it sparks in my head, you know, of, of these wild parties and orgies and all kinds of stuff that would be wrong. Definitely be wrong in God's sight, and it's definitely not what we should be playing around with and messing around with. Now, this does go with the next verse where we're picking up, okay? Because that was just the first three verses we're talking about, where the first three verses, you know, we're envious, we're covetous, we're jealous. That leads us to have these contentions, these battles, these wars, these fights. And then we don't ask God for things. Why? Why don't we do that? He's the source of all things. And then, when we do ask, we ask for the wrong reasons. We ask for selfish motives, just to please ourselves. So, that's just the first three verses. We're just, you know, James is just telling us, basically, cut it out, straighten up, act right. Think about this, and, and think about this from you know, from a more godly point of view, and that's what he's going to get into here in verse 4. So let me find verse 4 again. There we go. You adulteresses, disloyal sinners, flirting with the world and breaking your vow to God. Do you... Yeah, you adulteresses. Okay. I thought it was adulterers, but this says adulteresses. Hmm. I did not know that. Okay. So... Do you not know that being the world's friend, that is loving the things of the world, is being God's enemy? So whoever chooses to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So very simply put, now that doesn't mean you can't love the things God has created on this earth. When he's talking about the world here, he's really talking more about 
society, more about very humanistic things, like if, you know, like I was talking about the orgies and the parties and the things like that. If you are, you know, putting those things in front of God, if you are loving the things of the world, and let's just say there are other things in the world that we could become, um, we could put in front of God. You know, it could be drugs, it could be alcohol, it could be any number of things that we love about the world. We love socializing and partying and we put that, or just socializing, let's just leave the idea of partying out of it even. We love socializing and we put socializing with our friends and our family and we put things like that. We put that in front of God. Slightly different thought process, I guess, but still, he's saying, you know, do you not know that being the world's friend, well, the world is full of, full of wrongs. It's full of wrongdoings. Humanistic man's society is full of, unfortunately, immoral things. And we should not be loving and enjoying those immoral things. That is, that is probably the best way to talk about this. He's not talking about the good things. He's talking about the bad things. You know, loving the things of the world, loving the immoral things of the world, that is make that would, you know, that would put us against, that would pit us against God, you know, because God tells us not to be involved in those immoral things, not to be lovers of those immoral things, whatever whatever they are. And there's a number of immoral things in uh, in the world that that are there to tempt us, to trick us, to deceive us. And here James is saying, look, you know, do you not know that being attached to the world that way, loving the things of the world, being the world's friend, you can't, you know, you can't go along with the politically correct PC society and and agree with them on all their things and agree with God because you're going to hit points and I can list at least one or two right off the top you're going to hit points where God says something totally different I mean just the fact of uh, if you look at just uh, greed the greed that is in in the world in society people they want they want they want you know it's very selfish um, look at uh, abortion. Look at look at uh, the murder of children. That's definitely not what God wants. We can't agree with that or go along with that. To to go along with that, to condone that, is to go against the word of God. That's to go against God. And I'm going to say that that also applies to uh, homosexuality, and it also. In a strange, now this is a bit of a strange thing, it also goes along with the idea of someone being born one thing and then wanting to make themselves out to be another. Now, we're not talking about just like, you know, a costume party or fooling around. We're talking about somebody who really wants to say that they are the other. Our DNA is just the way we're made. Our DNA says we're a male or a female. That's never going to change. You're never going to be able to change that. So anything you try to present to go against that is essentially a lie. It's a deception. And so that, in my mind at least, but I think also you can find places in God's Word 
or that kind of deception is not correct. And that's and actually the reason it's so bad, okay, the reason it's so awful, it's not because it harms me in any way. It harms them. It is bad for them. And the same with homosexuality. It's not that it harms me. It's that it harms them. It's bad for them. It's it's a horrible thing for their soul, for their spirit, for their life. I mean, it's just none of these things are good. And as long as we condone and accept these practices, we're not helping things. We're, we're not helping these people. They need help. Um, most, well, I shouldn't say that. Anyway, a lot of pedophilia stems from homosexuality, though. Not all, but a lot does. I mean, that's why it's an that's why it's a joke. It's a joke from thousands of years ago. Um, you know about the Greeks because they like to do it with little boys. That was a that was a gross, terrible, awful joke from a long time ago. That's not anything new. So, you know, when you love these things that you know. That we know, we know they're morally wrong. We know that they are of the world and they are morally wrong. But if you love those things and if you agree and condone with those things, then you are being a friend of the world and you are being against God. Now that's just some, to me, rather obvious examples just right off the bat. Now, that's... You know, it's just something to, to be aware of. There's there's other issues in the world that are similar. I mean, it's not all right to uh, steal and take from others. You know, some people, they want to tear down the rich. They want to take everything that the rich have and distribute it out to everyone else. And, and that's a nice Robin Hood type of mm, mythological idea, I guess, in a way. And I say it's nice in that the goal is nice. The intention is nice. But it's never right to steal from someone else. It's never right to just take from someone. Instead, we should want and wish that they would be um, more godly and more Christian-minded and they would want to share what they have and that they would do so willingly and freely because that would be so much better for them spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It would be so much better for them than to sit back and hoard up, let's say, billions of dollars, you know. Um, but if they choose to do that, okay, I'm not God. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not going after them. I'm not trying to steal what they have. That is theirs. That is theirs. They either earned that or created that or brought that to themselves somehow. They managed that in some way. That is between them and God. That is not mine to take. That's not right that we should be so envious, jealous, and covetous that we would try to take from them. It goes right to what James is saying. All right, I'm sorry. I'm probably going on too long about this, but I think James is just teaching us very important things here. That's, uh, it's, it's just very important. So, all right. Verse 5. Or do you think that the scripture says to no purpose that the human spirit which he has made to dwell in us lusts with envy. But he gives us more and more grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to defy sin and live an obedient life that reflects both our faith and our gratitude for our salvation. Therefore, it says, God opposed, no, I'm sorry, <clears throat> God is opposed to the proud and haughty, 
but continually gives the gift of grace to the humble, who turn away from self-righteousness. See, some, some folks right now, when they want to take what others have, they are, they are saying, you know, they're pretending and saying that they're self-righteous, but they're just envious and covetous and jealous. We don't want to be caught in that group. We don't want to be have anything to do with them. We don't want to be a friend to that mob mentality. We don't want to be a part of that. Instead, we want to be humble and we want to follow God and we want to accept His grace and actually, you know, rely on God. Rely on God. Ask God for the things we need and get through you know, get through this life, this daily um, living that we do, get through that dependent on God, understanding that He's our Heavenly Father. That's what we should be doing. So verse 7, So submit to the authority of God, resist the devil, stand firm against him, and he will flee from you. See, submit, be humble to God, follow him, you know, knowing that he's going to supply our needs, ask him for what we need for the right reasons, and ask him to help others. Resist the devil. Resist all these temptations and all this covetousness, all this jealousness, all this envy. Resist, and he will flee from you. Just resist all of that. Come close to God with a contrite heart, and he will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your unfaithful hearts, you double-minded people. Be miserable and grieve and weep over your sin. Let your foolish laughter be turned to mourning and your reckless joy to gloom. Humble yourselves with an attitude of repentance and insignificance in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you, He will lift you up, He will give you purpose. And this is how we repent. We come close to God, we repent, we we very sincerely, very humbly, we're miserable, we grieve over our sin, we, we truly and honestly regret our sin, we regret our attitude, our wrong attitude, our, our wrong thinking, our wrong actions, the wrong things we have said. You know, we turn all that around and we say, no, that's wrong, and I'm sorry, and I repent. And we just, you know, bring ourselves humbly to God and repent. And He will help us. And He will help guide us. He will give us a new purpose. He will help us. Um, he will exalt us with the Lord, Jesus. You know, we will be in the heavenly kingdom. You know, when we stray out, we can come back. We can repent and come back and be a citizen of the kingdom. He will exalt us every time. Believers, do not speak against or slander one another. He who speaks self-righteously against a brother or judges his brother hypocritically speaks against the law and judges the law. <clears throat> so very simply, we shouldn't be, as believers, we shouldn't be speaking and slandering against each other. Now, I don't think we should be slandering or speaking against anyone, really, at all. And he doesn't really specify just believers, but he does make this sound like this is mainly, he's mainly talking about believers, but, you know, we shouldn't be doing that. If we're doing that in our congregation, you know, then that's that's really wrong. We shouldn't be doing this. We, we don't need to judge each other or speak against or slander one another. Now, slander, 
slander is basically a malicious lie, so we definitely shouldn't be doing that. But we shouldn't speak against each other or be judgmental towards one another. We shouldn't judge each other <clears throat> because, um, let's see, he who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks against the law and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are a doer of the law. You are not a doer of the law, but a judge of it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and to destroy, the one God who has the absolute power of life and death. And that's, that's the truth. God is the only judge and lawgiver. But who are you? to hypocritically or self-righteously pass judgment on your neighbor. And that's how we have to look at ourselves. We really have to turn that to us and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because we all, I mean, okay, face it, we all have these faults, we all have these flaws. Uh, maybe this isn't your particular flaw, but a lot of people, this is their flaw. And I, I think I can confess that I think I have probably uh, done this in my life, certainly. Um, where you look at someone and your first thought is, now maybe you don't say it, okay, and that's good. Self-control is very good. But your first thought is, oh, my Lord, what are they doing? Why, why would they do that? Or, or why are they, you know, that seems like, the, you know, we're, we're being judgmental. Oh, that's wrong. They shouldn't do that. That's terrible. They, you know. Now, it's really, it's, it's bad enough that we have these thoughts, which we do. But if we control ourselves and say, look, that's not right. Go ahead. In your, in, in your mind, you just stop yourself and you say, whoa, that's not right. I'm not going down that path. I'm not judging this person, okay? Because we shouldn't be judging each other. We're we're not God. But then, if you're speaking that out, and like it's almost like <clears throat> you're judging and you're speaking against a brother, you know, you're spreading gossip, or you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be gossip, but in this case, it sounds a lot like gossip and malicious slander, and you know, that's wrong. We shouldn't be doing that. Not at all. We shouldn't be doing that at all with anyone, but especially you know, in our congregation. We don't want to create issues like that in our congregation. You don't want to do it outside of there either. You shouldn't be doing it at work or anywhere, but especially in our congregations, we don't want that kind of problem. We're supposed to be God's family. Come now and pay attention to this, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and carry on our business and make a profit. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen in your life tomorrow. What is secure in your life? You are merely a vapor, like a puff of smoke or a wisp of steam from a cooking pot that is visible for a little while and then vanishes into thin air. Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that. But as it is, you boast vainly in your pretension and arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, <clears throat> this is a simple point, and it makes perfect sense. We need to pay attention to what we're saying and how we're planning things, saying, oh, you know, next month we're going to go do this or we're going to do that. Well, are we? We don't know what's going to happen in our lives. So many times I have had plans. We've had plans to do things, and it just doesn't work out. 
so many times that has happened in in my life i mean it just happens you know you make plans you think you're going to do something and then it doesn't happen so we need to be careful that what we say is you know if, if the lord's willing this is what we're going to do this is what we hope to do if the lord is willing if everything you know goes according to plan and james is just letting us know that hey we need to um we need to acknowledge the Lord in all these things. You know, who are we to say what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know. I don't know day to day when I get up what's going to happen. I never know. Um, anything could happen. It could be a wonderful, bright, sunshiny day. It could be a stormy, yucky mess. We don't, you know, I don't know. You know. So, you know, we are vapors we are just here for a short while just a puff in the <clears throat> in the uh, expanse of eternity that that is like god's realm <laughs> god is like eternal so you know we are just such a short little poof you know and um we're here and then gone you know and god watches over all of us and cares about all of us but but our life here is very small, it's very short, it's just, you know, and in a way it's insignificant. It's, you know, it's just, this is a learning ground for us, this is a teaching um, life for us, a learning life for us. So then the final verse in chapter 4, and I know this has been very long, but I think James has so much good stuff here. Uh, the final verse says, so any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him it is sin. Now this, this verse can apply to everything in this chapter, and maybe everything in this entire book. So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him it is sin. And that, that is one of the core truths of Christianity. If we know what we should do and we do not do it, then it is sin. Now, if you know to do something and you absolutely cannot do it, okay, that's, you know, that's another story. That's, you know, but in general, if we know that we should do something and we do not do it, and we're able, you know, there is a there is a an assumption of ability that you can do it, okay? So if we know what is right to do and we do not do it, to him it is it. And this is something that I've looked at a lot, and I've really tried to remind myself of this a lot. It's a very important verse if you can think about that and just think about you know, when we walk past this person who's struggling that needs some help with something, and it can be something extremely minor, uh, it could be in a store, on the street, anywhere, and we don't, and we think to ourselves, oh, I should help that person, but then we go on because, well, I just can't be bothered. You know, it's a, that's a, that's kind of a sin. It's a missed opportunity, too. It's a missed opportunity to be nice to someone. You know, so it's, it's it's not just a missed opportunity, though. It is sin when we know what we should do and we do not do it. So, that's uh, something to definitely remember and think about. It's a, To me, that's a very important verse, and it's very strong and powerful. 
in our lives if you just think about that we know as we learn because this can always apply and as we know and as we learn then the more we know the more we should know what is right to do and the more we should do that it takes time though when you start out as a new Christian and you say so okay if I know what's right to do and I don't do it it's a sin well I don't know what's right to do because I'm a new Christian I'm just like a, a new spiritual baby well, of course, that person does not know. So, it is not sin for them if they do not understand and do not know what to do at that time. We, you know, they need to, they need time to learn to be taught. So, but we should all know the one thing we should all know, and the one thing we need to remember and do all the time, every day, is we should spend time in God's Word and time in prayer. To not do those things, to not be learning and furthering our relationship with God, that is, that is absolutely wrong. And and yeah, I'm I'm going to say that yeah, it's it's probably sinful because we're putting other things in front of God and we shouldn't do that. So, just putting that out there. Those are the two core things we should do so that we learn and grow in God. Is we should be studying God's Word and spending time in prayer with God. And your prayer life can be a lot of different ways, but we'll get into that another time. But nonetheless, I'm just saying it doesn't always have to be um, a very, it doesn't have to be a verbally outspoken prayer life full-time all the time. It can be, you know, it can be a quiet inside yourself prayer time where you're thinking to God, you know. Um, not everything has to be verbal and out loud. So, that's all I was really getting at. Okay, so that is James chapter 4, and I've probably, I, there's just so much here, I, I, don't, I don't think I've covered it anywhere near well enough, but hopefully we've hit, you know, the good foundational points that we need to see in this, and we've understood that. So, thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May the Lord bless you and keep you safe always. And remember, God loves you.